in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. All right, is this an exciting signing? The Raiders this morning signed Bilal Nichols. Two-year deal, $11 million, nine of which is guaranteed. He's a defensive tackle from Chicago. Uh, He was the 51st-ranked defensive tackle by Pro Football Focus last season. Excited? Well, they need interior guys, and supposedly Bial Nichols is coming off a career year, so uh, this will probably keep the uh, Raider Nation from going into complete cardio uh, cardio arrest Will it? I mean, have you seen Twitter the last few days? I, I think how, this will make it worse. Are they? I think this will make it worse. I mean, because they'll look around saying, "Who is that?" Do you know who Bial Nichols was? No, before I, no this idea who he I had was. no idea who this guy was. Five fifteen a.m. or something. No. I see on Twitter the Raiders have signed Bilal Nichols. Yeah. I'm like, oh. is that Bilal Powell, the old running back oh. from the Jets? No idea. Who Nine this million is. guaranteed. Nine million. That, that was interesting. It's two years, eleven million was the reported contract, which would tell you five and a half each yeah. year. They guaranteed $9 million, which would suggest there is some guaranteed money for next season, which would suggest he's going to be here for two, two years. years. So we'll see. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be any good. It appears as though, based on his pro football focus ranking, based on his, okay. his time in Chicago, his numbers in Chicago, he is sort of a maybe he's a starter, but maybe he's your best defensive tackle off the bench type of guy. Like, hey, if you've got to start this guy, that's fine. That's not the end of the world. But ideally, he's he's a, you know, your third rotational guy among three defensive tackles or something like that. But not that it's a bad signing, but I just think when you talk about like Raiders fans and watching free agency, Oh, Russell Wilson, Khalil Mack, JC Jackson, Mike yes. Williams, even Justin Reed going to Kansas city. And then it's like, Oh, Bilal Nichols. It's like, Oh, <laughs> I think it makes it worse in all honesty. Cause you're looking around saying, I don't know. I think, I think at this point they for? just wanted anybody. I guess, but you're just looking at saying that's that's what we've been waiting for. This and um, Darius, well, what was the corner's name? Dar- Darius Williams, Philip Phillips. Phillips. There, Darius Phillips. Darius Phillips. Dar- so you're just Darius looking at saying, all right, so Darius Phillips and Bilal Nichols, that's just like Russell Wilson, isn't it? I can't. Are you proud of yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're proud of yourself. Yeah, Fox backs me. Wow. Well, and to be honest, to be honest, no, no, that's enough. That's enough. Next question, please. Australian accent saying yes. the word Fox. A little dangerous. Uh, NCAA tournament is actually underway as of last night. Texas Southern beat Texas A&M Corpus Christi in the 16 versus 16 play-in round. So Texas Southern gets Kansas. I have one major complaint, and this happens a lot in college basketball. I think this might be my new vendetta. This is going to be a lot like coaches going forward on fourth down in the NFL. Texas A&M Corpus Christi down six in the final minute. They had a full court press on. Yep. They got back-to-back steals out of their full court press. They got one point out of it. Yeah. Because both times they tried to go and get a layup with like three defenders there. They got fouled on one, missed the other one. When you're losing by a significant margin in the final minute, and six is a significant margin, every single time you have the ball, you should shoot a three. Every single time you touch the ball, you should be shooting a three. It increases your chances of winning. All the people that say you need a two or you don't need a three yet, go to the basket, are wrong. You should be shooting a three when you're losing. It's the same exact logic as why you go for it on fourth downs, why you try to score touchdowns and not field goals, because shooting the three maximizes your chance of winning the game, just like going for the touchdown. Kicking the field goal or trying to drive in for a two 
is maximizing your chance to tie the game. Yeah, I'm not, not going to disagree with you. I think that they're completely conditioned to drive to the basket. 100%. They're completely, it is, their mind tells them, oh, open lane, I need to go get a basket. It is a logical fallacy in the sport right. of basketball. And I, well, if it, here's the thing. If it is a wide open layup, take the layup. Right, that's the that's like the highest percentage or the highest efficiency shot you can get in the sport is a wide open layup or dunk. If it's wide open, go get it. If there's actual defenders in the way, you're scoring about one point per possession when you go to the rim. If there's a defensive player there, when you're shooting a three, the average three point shooter is also scoring one point per possession right. when they shoot a three, and you get an extra point. So you need the you need as many points as possible when you're trying to pull off a comeback late in the game. The only time when you last minute when you're losing that you shouldn't shoot a three is if you're down one. And there's like the shot clock's off. Yeah. Then sure, go for the two because you're down one and the two-pointer gives you the lead. But you should always be shooting a three because it maximizes your chance to win the game. And especially when you're down six. Like, come on, put up some threes. With under a minute, I think. Right, put up some threes. Step back one-legged. What kind of shot is that? Have you ever shot that shot? Do you work on that shot? Wyoming lost to Indiana yesterday, 66-58. to So the Mountain West is now 0-1 in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Hunter Maldonado, Graham Ike, had uh, 66% of Wyoming's points yesterday. Nobody else really had much going besides those two. I'm still amazed. That offense is the least well, creative thing I've ever seen. I was going to say, I was thinking of you last night because did you hear what Avery Johnson said? Yeah. They're not moving very much. <laughs> <laughs> like they, because Hunter Maldonado for like the eighth straight possession tried to back someone down for the lamp, and he's like, and he didn't mean. I mean, I you know, he's, Avery Johnson's a pretty positive guy when he does um, when he does TV and he, when he does broadcasting, but that's as negative as he's going to get. And he goes, you know, I don't know about this. They're not moving very much and just hanging around the hanging around the perimeter. And that's what they've done. And I don't understand how they were good this year. Like they throw it into the post, their best big and their best yeah. guard. They throw it in the post, back you down. And if you double team, they kick out for a three. If you don't double team, they, they try just, to score. They just take like a seven foot turnaround. Right. And it's like, that's it. That's, that's the key to being an NCAA tournament team. It, I, I'm like, I they won a they lot won. of games. Right. I don't know how that happened. You would have thought someone would have you know, scouted. The scout right. would be like, guys, scout's going to take about five minutes. They yeah. do two things. This is what they do. <laughs> they, and if we stop one of them, we'll be okay. They really do one thing just with two different players. Yes, so. exactly. It's going to be the same thing. Just that guy's a little shorter than the other one. Next question. Kyrie Irving scored 60 points in the Nets win yesterday. They blew out the Orlando Magic. He had 41 in the first half, he had eight of 12 from three. He had six threes in the first half alone. What is going on with these scoring? Back-to-back -back nights with 60 16. points games. I, Monday, LeBron I had was back-to-back -back with 50-plus. Right. Monday, I was telling you, we've had so many 50-point games. Yes, now we got back-to-back -back 60s. Now they're like, yeah, 50's nothing. We got 60 back-to-back -back nights. And this is, I mean, it's kind of incredible at this point where we're getting two to three 50-plus point games every week for like yes. three straight weeks now. It's been it's been incredible, and it's been a you know collection of different players that have done it too. You know, Carl Anthony Towns, Kyrie Irving, now LeBron on the list. Like, it's incredible. And by the way, the scary part about what Kyrie Irving did yesterday, like Kyrie Irving handles like his dribbling ability, possibly the best in the entire NBA. Right? He's unbelievable. What he did last night was just knocking down jump shots. Like, the dude was insane. Like, he just could not miss in the first half on jump shots. Okay, big question mark. Is he actually going to be able to play in all the postseason right, games? Right, right. 
if he does, like, you get that performance from Kyrie Irving two or three times in a series. With a healthy Durant? They're not losing the series if that if Kyrie Irving does that. Because, again, that's, like, just him going unconscious on jump shots. Like, that's not him even using his best skill set. That's just him being unbelievable from as a jump shooter in a game. If hey. he does that in a playoff series, they're winning every single one they play. My pick. <laughs> My pick to win yeah. the East. Well, they're going to play Toronto in the play, and he's not going to be allowed to play in the game, and they're going to get eliminated. <laughs> Great question. The Raiders were interested in James White, uh, running back from the Patriots. He ended up re-signing with the Patriots for two years and just $5 million. But here's a question for you. On the Raiders, they have Josh Jacobs. They have Kenyon Drake. They restructured Kenyon Drake's deal, so presumably they're keeping Kenyon Drake around. Uh, Do they need another running back? Only if he's from the Patriots. This guy played for the Texans. There would have been no interest in him whatsoever. Boy, there's going to be a lot of Patriots on this team next year. Well, and maybe that's not such a bad thing because they win a lot more than the Raiders. Yeah. But my goodness, I, I'm serious. I think he liked him because he played for the Patriots. If, so? James, if James White played for the Texans, would they have been that in on James White when you have Jacobs and Kenyon Drake? Probably not. No. So, like, because here's the part. The Raiders, like, they're going to need another running back. You're not going into a season with just... Two running backs, but presumably the third running back on the team is somebody like it has been in the past, Jalen Richard, right? A guy who doesn't have, you know, much of a track record or a guy who's just really good in pass protection on third down. James White's like a legitimate running back. Granted, right. he's, you know, more in that third down role, but he's a legitimate running back that, I, I mean, two years, five million is not a lot. So I don't overpaid for him. It's just interesting. And you might be exactly right. They were like, oh, yeah, we love that We guy. like Jimmy. We Sure, we got two good running backs. Sure. Come on, we'll figure yeah. it out. Don't worry about it. I think you might be right that he's just, he's a he's former a Patriot. Patriot and they that, know him. That McDaniels really liked a lot and was yeah. like, yeah, I'll take you on this we roster. We don't have to too. pay him much. Yeah. And again, two years, five. If they had signed him today for two years, six million, I would have. we would have been like, well, this is a little confusing because they already have running backs, but it's not that expensive. Not so who, right. who cares? Like, good for them. Is there an element of... He, that McDaniels wants someone in the running back room who knows what he's saying whenever he's talking about the offense so that he can go, eh, eh. I mean, James White will explain it to you too. The familiarity with him, you might be right. I mean, I I think that's the only reason they even called this guy. <laughs> they get a Patriot at every position group. Yeah. So when they're in their meetings, they're like, hey, this is what, this he, is what he really yeah. means. This is what he really means. Uh, Dan Campbell needs uh, that we'll guy. Tyrod Taylor... Uh, Signing with the Giants. Two years, 17 million. He got eight and a half guaranteed from the Giants. So here's a question. How many games does Tyrod Taylor start next year for the New York Giants? Let's see, Danny Jones. Under over eight and a half? I'd say under eight and a half. Is that the number? No, I'm that's, that's, Jared's that's number. my that's number. Your number? I'm... I'll say under two and a half. Zero is my prediction. Okay. I don't think he starts a single game. I think the only way he starts is if Daniel Jones is hurt. That's that I, was my under I two think, and a half. Yeah, I think Daniel Jones gets hurt. <laughs> um the interesting part here, Brian Dable is the new head coach in New York. Coming from Buffalo, he's gotten a lot of credit for what Josh Allen became after his rookie season. There is I, I think if you're as optimistic as you can be about the Giants, there's some hope that Brian Dable will make Daniel Jones. Uh, pretty good, or at least a competent NFL quarterback. And if that happens, Tyrod Taylor's not seeing the field. But 
I do think this is a little bit of a hedge to where, hey, if Daniel Jones isn't any good, if they get into the season and Daniel Jones is still just bad, Tyrod Taylor's a legitimate NFL quarterback, right? You don't really want him starting if you're trying to win something, but he's a legitimate quarterback that you can turn to and say, hey, you're starting. and we're Marcus trying, Mariota. We're, yeah, we're trying to be like a 500 team that sneaks our way into the playoffs. That's a legitimate option. It's not some fourth-round guy. It's not, you know... Uh, who Chase Daniel just signed a new contract. It's not Chase Daniel, right? You can legitimately start Tyrod Taylor and have some expectations to win a few games. Does this automatically make the Giants the second-best quarterback group in the NFC East? No. They're last. (laughs) I'll take Carson Wentz. I will. Is Taylor Heineke still on their roster? (laughs) I'll take he Winston that's, Heineke. That's a question you gotta. I think Ryan Fitz. Well, no, or, no, he's no. A he, he's a free agent. Yeah. Free Where, agent. Wherever he goes, will be the second best in the division. All right, coming up next, we will jump into the NFL. When I stepped in, hugged Joe, hugged Ali. You know, hugged my teammates at halftime. Didn't know we were gonna get fined. Things were gonna transpire again, but you know, we're we're such a, a close group at this point. We're ready to deal with whatever comes our way, and uh, we talk about it keep everything internal as best we can and then um you know just make decision moving forward as a group live from the finley toyota espn las vegas studios this is the press box with graney and bischoff you know it's the ncaa tournament when your tv is on true tv when you wake up in the morning the tv here in the studio is on true tv I don't know what show is on right now, but... It appears to be some kind of cop show because there's a policeman about to throw up. lose his lunch on a red sports car. <laughs> and then there's children. Oh, there's children in it. This is true TV. Oh, no, someone's hugging the cop. This isn't good. No. So, but it's the one time a year where we get to see 500 Impractical Joker commercials to watch that show. Right. That show's still on the air? Yeah. They're on TikTok all the time. They're actually, they're made for TikTok. They're made for 60 seconds or less at a time. I don't know about a 30-minute TV show, but I enjoy their What TikTok. show is it? Impractical Jokers. It's four guys. They will, like, one or two of them will be sitting in a van, talking into an earpiece, making the other one, Telling like, them what to do. In public to do stupid stuff. And it's... 60 it seconds. In 60 seconds, it's great. I don't know about a 30-minute TV show, but in 60 seconds, it's great. All right, well, was your TV on this morning? <laughs> yeah, I turned it on, and it was on True TV. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, I was watching college basketball last night. All right, in the NFL, we need to talk about this detail uh, from Aaron Rodgers' new contract with the Packers. He officially signed it. Uh, he doesn't get to come out and say, hey, 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 I haven't signed anything yet. Pat McAfee. But if Aaron Rodgers plays one season in Green Bay, just one, and then is gone, He would have a cap hit in 2023 that would count against the Packers of $68 million. No wonder Devontae Adams can't get a contract. (laughs) So, again, and this is if if Aaron Rodgers gets traded after this season, if Aaron Rodgers is cut for whatever reason after this season, if Aaron Rodgers simply retires after this season, $68 million cap hit next season for the Packers. Would you have trusted this guy this much to do this? Well, here's the thing. I think this guarantees he's playing a second year. 
Because well, if I, I would hope, I hope he wouldn't do that to them and right. retire on that. Because that that is the only possibility that the Packers are in is that he retires, right? If he retires, right. you're screwed. If I'm there is zero not releasing chance, him. Right. There is zero chance the Packers trade or release this guy. Not next with that year. cap. <laughs> because it's a it's like forty million if he's just on the roster. So if this guy is like, trade me, I'm not playing for you. You just let him stay on the roster, yes. start Jordan Love, and save yourself like $28 million yes. against the cap that year. So there is zero chance they trade him after this year. Or release him. So yes, could he possibly retire? I guess there's a chance he walks away after this, but I also... But you're having faith in a guy who is a little off-center when it comes to this stuff. Right. And listen... The Packers most likely are going to be good again. The Packers most likely are going to win the division again. They might not win the Super Bowl. Sure, maybe they fail in the playoffs. But I think we're going to be in a very similar situation if if Aaron Rodgers is like unhappy after next year, where you look around and you say, huh, this team's still pretty good. This team still gives me the best chance to win. So I'm staying in Green Bay. Do you know who's even more pissed at the $68 million than the team? Jordan Love. (laughs) Because he knows there's absolutely no chance they're taking a $68 million hit on their cap. So that's two more years yes. I will not be playing. They've got to trade him, right? What's he, three years in? Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to pay him. They're going to have to give him a second contract before yes. he's able to actually even play a snap. Yeah. That matters. Like, it, in the in the hypothetical that Rodgers played two more years in Green Bay and then was done, that would Jordan Love would have exhausted, I think, his entire rookie contract, mm-hmm. and then so you would have had to have given him an extension had to pick him up before him ever being, you know, becoming a starter. So I think you have to trade him just for the savings, right? I mean, just for the hey, a you might be able to get some sort of value back, right? If you get a third round pick for him, great. You're not playing the guy anyways, but also not that teams really care about this too much, but just kind of for Jordan Love, like yeah. Like if I'm Jordan Love, I'm. Can you hold out when you're when you haven't really played? Like, <laughs> I'm. If I'm Jordan Love, seriously, I'm saying you, you guys got to trade me, right? Like, send me somewhere where it's not a sixty-eight well, million a dollar cap hit if the right. other guy doesn't start, because it's. I mean, it's brutal for Jordan Love. We talk oh. about we talk about athletes, and and part of the reason that I think you should never blame an athlete for cashing in with the biggest contract they can get is because they have a very limited career. Well, especially in this, and especially right. in this sport, the window's very, very small. He's going to throw away the first five years of that potential yeah. career. And, and the second contract is often the contract players get paid off of. Right. And his second contract's going to be what? Uh, here's like 5 million to Seven be a backup million. somewhere yeah. because we haven't seen you play. Because, like, we'd rather have Tyrod Taylor because we've seen Tyrod Taylor play. You might be terrible. Nobody's seen you except right. the Packers in, in, practice. in practice. So that's the Oh, that was the other detail. Uh, there is, I think it's a half a million dollars. Maybe, I can't remember if it was 50000 or half a million. But there is a workout bonus for Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> and it's either 50000 or half a million. But he, <laughs> on, he only has to show up to three off-season workouts. To get the bonus. To get the bonus. Not three per week. Three total. Three total. So he makes one trip, spends a weekend like lifting weights or running around, right. and he gets his bonus. He gets that bonus, and then he doesn't have to show up to any other preseason stuff until the legit preseason happens. In, and he won't. In, he'll fly back to California. No, he'll right. fly back to Nashville. Which means we're just going to see, the Packers are just going to see, Jordan Love is going to take all the first yes. team reps. He is going to be, he's going to get so much practice time and then not play at all this year. 
it's going to be unbelievable until the Packers actually trade, trade which, him and move him. Listen, we've talked about it. The value of Jordan Love is you don't like this quarterback class. You can get Jordan Love for less than a first round pick. And even if you don't love Jordan Love, you're not really, you don't have to be committed to him long term, right? If you, if who's a team, if Seattle decides, well, we don't want to draft Malik Willis or whoever, we're going to trade for Jordan Love. If Jordan, if you, bring him in and he can't beat out Drew Locke or maybe he does and he sucks. You don't have to be committed to him. Like you've only got what? I think one more year after that on the rookie contract, like you can move on from him right then. You can just cut him like be perfectly fine. I think there is a very low risk to trading for Jordan love. If you're a team that needs a quarterback and there is probably not that high, but there is a chance at some pretty good upside with Jordan, Love, right? If he, the Packers were right, right? If he works out, that could be, be really great. Good. I mean, the whole skill set that NFL teams are chasing, the Patrick Mahomes, the Josh Allen, that type, like Jordan Love presumably fits into that skill I've set. only seen him play one game. It was against UNLV. The guy looked like Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. What am I going to tell you? It's the only team I've seen. Did you, uh, real quick, did you see uh, Derek Carr's eagle? His what? His eagle yesterday. Oh, golf he's course? golfing. That's right. Did you see it? Yeah, I did see it. Pretty good shot. Was it a good shot? It was an eagle. I mean... Yes, oh. yes, it was a good shot. In the hole, probably lucky did more than anything. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's a ton of luck to it, but uh, I mean, he's he knows what he's doing. Jared, I have an important question for you on Derek Carr. Do tiny hands matter in golf? Probably helps, right? Well, you got to do that weird pinky overlap. Thing, yeah, you got to do so. the overlap. You got to do the overlap. <laughs> probably helps though, right? Yeah, you'd rather have small hands than big. Like Kawhi I mean, Leonard's not golfing. Oh, right? can you see Kawhi Leonard golfing? Those hands, he'd take up half the club. <laughs> I mean, like, like yeah, insane. I think we don't have a whole lot of big guys who are golfers. Right. So I'm well, thinking. Who are, yeah, exactly. Who are good, good golfers. golfers. The, yeah. The like, small hands you're critical of in football probably help him in golf. It's probably a benefit. Steph Curry's a really good golfer. I'm going to really look up good. his hands. Probably. Really good. Uh, probably Jordan, relatively small. Jordan. You know who's a great golfer? Great golfer is Tony Romo. Like legit, he he's played on yes. like like tour events. I mean, yeah. or I mean, he's like win celebrity tour events. Now, I don't know, I don't know what Tony Romo's hands hands uh well, measured at the combine. For, huh? that's, that's what, what did he what did he would he measure at? I mean, we'll find out. Is he in the eights? Is he in the nines? He's got to be in the nines. Oh my god, he's got tiny hands. Eight point seven. Okay, that's he's a great golfer. Tony Romo has tiny. How he's is great how golfer. is this guy any good at quarterback? <laughs> Well, He's he, under nine remember, inches. He fumbled a lot. He fumbled that snap in the playoffs. Yeah, he, he couldn't even put a. Oh yeah, he couldn't God. even get a ball down. We've we've figured it out. Yeah, his hand <sighs> size. That's why he's such a great golfer. That's unbelievable. That's no it. wonder Barkley's so bad. Well, if you've seen his swing, <laughs> he's gotten better. <laughs> this listen, I don't pay that much attention to golf. Maybe this is a well-known thing, or maybe we just stumbled upon the key. To Brilliance golf. That, that you have small hands. Yeah, is that is that the key here? Like, I don't know if this is real or not, but maybe, maybe Derek Carr's career path was wrong. Maybe he should have been a golfer. Yeah. Maybe we need to start measuring kids' hand size, and that's what sports you put them in when they're young. Be oh, like, man. Think about how obnoxious David Carr would be if Derek played on the tour. Hey, oh. if he's actually good, what, are we going to get him on the, the golf channel instead of NFL Network? No, he's still on NFL Network, but he's just he's <laughs> breaking down the PGA Tour. The PGA now. Tour. <laughs> well, it was like I was telling my brother, who you know is a professional golfer. Yeah, you know that Rory guy is okay. There is not a PGA Combine, so I can't find like Tiger Woods hand size. 
Well, if our if our theory runs through, it's five point six inches. <laughs> <laughs> All right, coming up next, well, Jason Fitz joins the show. We know he can't grip a steering wheel. Aaron Rodgers is unimpressed with him, but we aren't. It's time for our weekly visit with ESPN's Jason Fitz. All right, Jason, you're going to like the direction where this interview starts. Uh, We have spent too much time talking about athlete hand size on this show. Obviously, it starts with quarterbacks and because they get their hands measured, we make a big deal out of it. But I think we've stumbled upon good golfers have small hands. Um, Steph Curry and Tony Romo both have small hands. Unfortunately, there's not like a PGA tour combine. So we don't know like actual golfers hand size, but we know Romo and Curry have hands under nine inches and are both good golfers. I'm curious is small hands, something in the music industry that's viewed as a positive. Like, do they look at people and say, Ooh, you can't be a good violinist. You've got too big of fingers. So uh, I, there's actually a, a real answer to this. Uh, it's our Roman's one of the most famous classical violinists of all time, arguably the, the best of my, my lifetime, right? And uh, at the very least, the most prominent. And he has the thickest, stubbiest fingers, and they're like, he has big hands. He just has, he's got a guy, this guy with big hands. I, on the other hand, have tiny, tiny, tiny hands. And my hands are so small that when I started playing, as, even as a kid, there were tips and tricks that my teachers had to give me on how to be able to reach certain intervals on a violin because my fingers are too short to accomplish that. So, like, you can actually have, uh, like, really thick fingers are supposed to be a detriment because you need to be able to, like, every, you know, a, a centimeter makes a difference in accuracy. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, my hands are so stinking tiny that I had to actually learn how to, like, adjust my elbow to be able to reach uh, the, the full octaves and things like that on a violin. Yeah, that's how baby-handed I am. So the greatest violinist, violinist of your time sucks at golf. Uh, oh, yeah, well, yes, that would be that would be a thousand percent true, but so do I. Like, so I'm blowing your theory there because, like, I, I mean, I'm uh, tragically bad. I'm what, Like, I'm so bad that even if we went, like, if we went with friends, We'd make it two holes before you just looked at me and said, "Hey, drive the cart, handle the drink, don't touch a club for the rest of the well, day." Like that's like I'm going to the Golic. Uh, the Golics are launching their first ever big charity golf event this year in the summer. And when Mike Golic Senior reached out and said, "I want you to come," the number one thing he said is, "As long as you promise you won't try to play." <laughs> so okay, the theory. You're, thank you. You're helping us refine this. It's not. Small hands makes you a good golfer. It is that good golfers have small hands. So just because yeah, you okay. have small hands doesn't mean you're going to be good at it. But thank you. We are refining this. And by the way, the other reason we brought this up is because Derek Carr had a tweet of him hitting an eagle yesterday. And Derek Carr has fairly small hands for an NFL quarterback. So maybe he picked the wrong sport. Also, Derek Carr, sneaky athletic dude. Like, I mean, good basketball player, good golfer. Like, I don't think there's a lot that he can't do other than make Raiders fans happy. Like, there's, there's very little that is a detriment for Derek Carr unless you ask about, you know, that the 50% that is just out to make sure that they make their their voice heard on the quarterback. All right, you tweeted out this question, and I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are after uh, doing a Twitter poll, which obviously should inform every uh, question you have in life. But you asked, what's worse, doing nothing to improve your OK roster in free agency or overspending to make your OK roster pretty good but not championship-worthy? Uh, what do you think is the right path? Uh, the right path is to never give in to the market. And, you know, I, I'm definitive on this now. And I, I talked to, you know, Field and Dan Graziano and 
Diana Rossini, and, and, you know, I talked to a former NFL coach. I've been asking this question all week because the, the problem we have as fans, and this is like I'm speaking directly to Raiders fans on this right now, like the problem we have as fans is you've spent a generation watching your team stink, and you want your team to be better right now. So that's a very different objective than everybody else in that building that's looking at it brand new to the team saying, hey, my, my goal here is to build a championship contender. I think it's complicated in Las Vegas because – you're new to the city, and you have to have good football teams to grow the level of interest you want generationally. But if you go out and you overspend wildly on all sorts of players that are only okay, then what you've done is you've really hamstrung yourself in the future with contracts that are weird or problematic. And by the way, you've also brought in players that are only okay. Like, I, I don't understand the love affair as, as much as some of these, for example, wide receivers that everybody's been infatuated with, can we all agree that they're not worth anywhere near the money that they're getting? And you do have to build a roster. So uh, I, I think it realistically, unless you are going all in to win a Super Bowl right now, and if that's like that's what the Broncos are doing, that's what the Chargers are doing, but their rosters were in a spot where they felt like they could do that more easily. I think I think the Raiders are in a spot where once you looked at the way the market's pricing out, you're better off moving to the suburbs than you are buying that loft that you think is going to last you all the way for the rest of your life downtown that you really can't afford. Hunter Renfro is very excited about the money these wide receivers are signing for. Oh, my God. Like, that man is going to be, like, dirty wealthy. <laughs> you know I mean? That, that, and, and rightfully so. Like, he's so good at what he does. But if you're the Raiders, that has to adjust your strategy. Like, the, if I'm Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, I walked in the room, I looked at what we have, right? And the one of the things I say is I know right now I've got a guy in Darren Waller that's going to have to get repaid. And I know right now I've got a guy in Hunter Renfro that's going to have to get paid. So I had ESPN stats and info run the numbers on it. And if you look over the last five and ten years, the number of wide receivers with thousand-yard receivers, thousand-yard seasons, is almost exactly identical from the first, second, and third rounds. So if I'm the Raiders, I looked around and I thought, man, for all of the hype that we want for needing some huge name wide receiver, unless I can get the best of the best, unless I'm getting the guy, unless you somehow pull off Devontae, right? Anything short of Devontae, I'm waiting to the second round of the draft, and I'm, I'm drafting, again, exactly what they were trying to do when they added Henry Ruggs, the fastest guy that can possibly take the top end off the defense, which will help my mid-range guys get more open. Like That's the most economic and wise way to make the Raiders' offense better. How unexciting is that going to be, though, if they draft a guy in the second or third round expecting him to be the true outside number one receiver? Oh, yeah, that's going to be so boring. And that, that's, that's where... This is a problem that, that I think Vegas and, and the Raiders particularly are going to face that the Titans face for a generation. And I always said this in Nashville. Like, the weird part about football in, in Nashville is that it's a city full of people that either were famous, are famous, think they're going to be famous, probably should be famous. Like, it, it's a city that wants stars. And you can see that with the Nashville Predators. Like, when the Preds were a playoff team consistently but didn't have a household name other than Pecorine, nobody really cared about the team. Then they went all in, and they invested a ton of money on big names, and then you couldn't get a seat into that uh, arena for, for years. And the Titans are the same way. Like they, They've got to have superstars. And one of the problems you're going to have for the next generation in Vegas is walking the fine line between building the football team the right way because it'll, if they win games, it's sustained. Everybody's happy. But in the beginning, man, you're competing against everything else in Vegas for attention and dollars. Like, you need somebody that can be on the billboard. So 
if, if I'm the Raiders, I am desperately hopeful that the Max Crosby love can continue in a way that I have to, you know, really truly market Max and Waller and Renfro and Carr when I think they do sign him to a big contract in a way that calms everybody down a little bit, but that is not sexy. Uh, they're going to release NASA. That was just reported by Schefter. They're redoing contracts. Is this setting up for a big thing with Derek Carr? It's got to be setting up for something. Like, that's the one thing, you know, I, I keep telling everybody, if you've ever had credit card debt, you can shift that debt around, right? But eventually you have to pay it off. And whether you're, you know, taking a home equity loan or whatever, eventually you're going to have to pay that credit card off. And what the Raiders are doing right now, and, and as much as contracts are all funny money, is they're adding years and they're shifting cash, and now, you know, they're cutting players. Like, I'm looking at all of that saying, why would you be pushing money into anything other than right now? Like, if the Raiders truly believe they can't compete and that they have no shot at the playoffs and this is a full rebuild, if they believed that, I think they already would have traded Derek Carr for a a Kings ransom, and they would have already gutted the roster of whatever money they were going to spend. But they didn't do that. Now they're pushing contracts around into future years, that to me says you must be preparing for something. So you're either creating the room to go out and make an offer on Devontae Adams that absolutely can't be matched, and you're going to give up draft picks to do it because he's been franchised, or you're, you're clearing room, I think, more likely to give Derek Carr a massive contract that's probably front-loaded so he gets paid right now, and that's why you move all this money around. You can eat most of that money today and try rather than like so many teams are doing or Aaron Rodgers. Like if you see the dead cap hit, Aaron Rodgers, if he's cut, it's like $175 million or whatever it is. Like, I think it would make sense to do the opposite with Carr. Like, load up a contract now where the, the cap number eats a lot of the money that's available today, and it's more manageable over the next couple of years. Jason, uh, we I don't believe we've got your opinion on Tom Brady, so I'd love to hear that. But my actual thing that I'm interested in is what is it you can do now that you, like, so much better than you could do it in your 20s. Oh, wow. Um, that's, that's a really good question. That's something that I've gotten better at. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know because uh, this is like such a random story, but I remember when I was on the road, uh, well, when I was touring, I pulled into it. We had rehearsals the whole month of January every year to get the tour ready for the season. And I was I pulled into the uh, – uh, to the rehearsal facility. I remember sitting there in the car and I was late walking into rehearsal because I was listening to this one particular piece that had come up on, on the car radio. And it was a violinist named Michael Rabin, who was my favorite of all time. It was incredible. And I was listening to this piece being played and I walked in and I was like, it was such a cool memory for me because I remember learning the piece when I was like 10 or 11 and, you know, playing it uh, with orchestras and all of these big things. And one of the guys in the band said, man, what is that? How does that make you feel? Like knowing that you did something, you played something that complicated when you were a kid. And I said, yeah, it reminds me that I peaked when I was like 11. Like I, I've, <laughs> I've been less of a musician every year since I was about 12 years old. So uh, did I do drastically better now than in my 20s? Uh, I, I don't know. Like I, I'm, I've become a better person since my 20s, but I'm not sure I have any skill set that's better than my 20s. As for Tom Brady, I, I'm just so over Like, for Tom's dad to go on Greeny yesterday and make it sound like Tom was the victim of pressure uh, and announced his retirement early because, you know, ESPN ran with the story, so we felt like he had to get ahead. Please, like, you're Tom Brady. And, like, you're also Tom Brady. You're aware enough to know that you decide to release that right in the middle of when the NCAA tournament is doing their thing. Like, 
I genuinely felt bad for the people producing the NCAA tournament specials behind the scenes that nobody knows at ESPN that were sitting there saying, wait, uh, we've got a camera over here waiting to see if this team makes the tournament, and now we've got to break in with Brady's unretiring news. Like, he could have waited till Monday morning. So, like, this whole Brady and Aaron Rodgers thing, like, uh, in a beautiful, perfect world, what we would do instead of talking about these guys so much is actually mute the ability to talk about them for about a month so that they would both remember that neither of them are as important as they think they are. All right, Jason, uh, get out of here. Enjoy your small hands for the rest of the day. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, me and my tiny, you know what? My tiny hands make me a pretty good Madden player. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> he could have gone really dirty with that, and I'm glad he didn't. <laughs> Jason Fitz from ESPN joining us with small hands, uh, but apparently that is a detriment when playing the violin because you can't reach everything you need to reach. Coming up next, the Raiders. They made another move. They added to the free agent pool instead of pulling somebody out of it, though. He wants to win, and he wants to win now, and he's going to do whatever it takes. And uh, as a player, uh, that's music to yours. And, you know, I've been on uh, you know, several teams now, and I understand you know, when you have a motivated owner, that really shows up everywhere throughout the organization. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter, at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. The Raiders' most recent transaction will be to release Carl Nassib. Defensive end. Raiders signed him a couple of years ago under John Gruden. He actually, I think, would have had the fourth biggest cap hit on the team if he had still been on the team. Now, the important designation here, because the NFL is as confusing as possible, Carl Nassib is going to be considered a post-June 1st cut. Saves a lot more money. Because cutting him after June 1st, means that the Raiders will save $8 million against the cap. Right. He's only going to have a dead cap hit of about $1.6 million. If they did it before June 1st, they would have a $6 million dead right. cap hit. They'd only save about $3 million. Doing it after June 1st, you save $8 million, $1.6 dead cap. Um, the problem, though, is that money or that cap space is not available to the Raiders to be spent until after June 1st. Right. So they can't. Right. They can't cut him, say, hey, we're going to do it after June 1st. Oh, we're going to go get somebody. And then go spend that cap space on another player. They won't be able to spend it until after June 1st. So what that means is this probably won't help them in free agency this year because there's not going to be a high. I mean, you'll probably, you can probably sign somebody after June 1st, but it's not going to be a high-dollar free agent right after June 1st. Hunter Renfro. That's where it helps them. Right. Is if they're giving somebody an extension, right? If it's right. Hunter Renfro, if it's Derek Carr, right? If they're working an extension out for somebody, this is where it'll help. I believe Corey Littleton is the same, similar situation. He's going to be a post one. Where you can one, use his money. Right. Post one. To sign somebody. Post June 1st cap uh, cut, and that saves Extend more somebody. cap space, and you can use it on an extension later uh, is what's likely to happen. But there's the Raiders' most recent news. So they've done about as much subtracting as they have adding from the roster. What do you think? So far. He was fine. Yeah, I mean, he was a he was a fine backup defensive end. The the yeah. problem is he was going to be like the fourth highest cap hit on the team, and that's right. like that's not not good. ideal, especially when Cleveland Furl's the third highest cap hit on the team. <laughs> yeah, so like that's not ideal, and so I think from a cost saving standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. But again, they can't use it to help the roster right now. It it they have to wait June first. So. It's they probably would have been fine if they had left him on the roster, but I guess if they have plans, if they've already whatever come to some sort of verbal agreement with Hunter Renfro on an extension, but 
hey, we're going to have to wait until June 2nd to do this because we got to let these go through. Whatever. That's probably right. a better way to use the money than on Carl Nassib because you can get Carl Nassib's production from a lot of you're people. paying less yeah, than nine or ten million dollars. Did it feel like to anyone else that they never actually like used him right? Like that he should have been a stand-up outside linebacker. Well, they were a four-three. They didn't. They didn't have stand-up. I know. Linebackers. Like it was like you you signed a guy and then you were like, all right, you're playing defensive end. Well, he wasn't good. Like he didn't do that well at his previous location. What he did well was stood up off the. I thought he was a four-three D end in Tampa when they signed him. I think he was. Okay, see, and I thought the year that he had the that best... he was a stand-up guy? Yeah, was that he had the best production was they had transitioned him to a stand-up guy. That is the end. I thought he was, too. 4-3. Hand-in-the-dirt defensive end. He Hand-in-the-turf. They just overpaid for a backup defensive end. That what, doesn't sound like the did. Raiders. Like, that's yeah. what they did at the end of the day. Nah, like, they, they, nah, they overpaid don't. for a backup defensive end. And, they, don't, they don't do that. And I think even like when they signed him, there was a general expectation he might be a backup defensive end, right? Like it was never Yeah, really... I don't think they thought he was going to be the number one guy. Yeah, I think there was a chance that they were like, this guy could be a starter for him, but right. I don't think they ever signed Carl Nassib thinking this guy's going to be a 12-sack guy well, I did. or something like that. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, By the way, before we wrap up this segment... Did you guys see that we might be getting rid of daylight savings time? Yes. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, that's been, that's kind of been on the books for a while. Yeah, the, but the Senate finally passed it unanimously yesterday, and I guess if it passes in the House, then we're basically done with daylight saving times. Though, I read this on Twitter, so maybe it's not 100 percent correct. It wouldn't act until like 2024 or something like that. Like, cause I they, like dark early. Yeah. Well, you do. Yeah, I do. Why? Because you get up early and drive to work in the dark. Probably, okay. I like dark. I like dark. Well, I excuse me. I'm like I, I. I maybe I phrase that wrong. I like dark late in the afternoon to come earlier. Yeah, you want the sun down. Absolutely. Earlier. Yes, absolutely. Especially if it's 110 degrees. Why out. do I feel like you're in the two percent of the population that likes that? Because I usually am. <laughs>